You're listening to Shalise's Podcast. Father, we thank you for yet another podcast episode. We thank you that today's episode is what the Bible calls a word in due season. In other words, Father, this is a right now prophetic declaration for each and every listener that provides direction, is an answer to people's prayers, and gives people the light that they need to continue to walk down the path that you have prepared for them. Father, I thank you that you are a responder to our questions, that it's your desire that we operate out of the mind of Christ, and that we connect to your wisdom and to your insight, that you want us to operate out of a revelatory flow where we are thinking with you and we are seeing things from your perspective. You want us to discern the will of your heart. You want us to walk in the plans and the purposes that you have ordained for us. And I thank you, Father, that you are leading us from the inside out and you want us to trust that. You want us to have confidence that we can hear your voice and that we can take those steps of faith that you are asking us to take without fear. Your desire, Father, is that we be led by the Holy Spirit, that we not be led by our own intellect, that we not be intimidated by the circumstances that we face, but that we triumph, that we overcome, and that we, we glorify Jesus through our lives, that we experience breakthrough after breakthrough, miracle after miracle, and that we live supernaturally. And so, Father, we just connect. We connect with your agenda for today's episode, and we thank you that you are the one talking, that you are speaking through my words, you are thinking through my mind, and you are releasing vision. You are releasing provision. You are releasing breakthrough as a result of today's podcast. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want to talk about a topic today that I just really felt was on the Father's heart. You know, one of the biggest frustrations I feel like in a lot of believers' lives is that they, they, this is what I hear, you know, I just feel like I'm going in circles. I feel like I'm stuck. Or sometimes it's, I just don't understand why things didn't work out. You know, I stood in faith and I believed. And and for whatever reason, I just didn't see the manifestation of God in this situation. And in other words, you know, I just didn't see the answer to my prayers that I wanted to see. And so today I felt like what the Father wanted to chat a little bit about is how to have confidence in prayer and how to Know that you know that you know that you're praying in accordance with his will, with his heart, with his mind, with his desires, and that you are 
supernaturally manifesting what the Father is doing in any situation that you may encounter. You know, if you've been alive for more than five minutes, how many of you know there's going to be something that is going to crop up that is going to be contrary to the will of God in our lives? We are going to walk into storms. We're going to have tribulation in the world. But we have been destined by God to live victoriously. We are called in scripture more than conquerors. There's promises that says he always causes us to triumph, that we should be going from faith to faith and glory to glory, that, that we should be manifesting a greater degree of heaven on earth each and every year of our lives. But oftentimes, this just isn't the case. But here's what I want to say, beloved, is that by God's design, his desire is that we live victoriously, that we fulfill our destiny, that we reach the end of our days being able to say the same thing that Jesus said when he said, Father, I have finished the work that you gave me to do. I've glorified you here on earth, and I finished what you gave me to do. Or the Apostle Paul, right? I finished my course. I kept the faith. I fought the good fight. And he got to the end of his life having victoriously accomplished everything that God called him to do. Now, was it always easy? right? No, it wasn't always easy. Jesus struggled in prayer in the garden. The apostle Paul was shipwrecked and stoned and they were, you know, put in jail. There were all kinds of obstacles that were put in the path for the apostle Paul. But what matters is that they overcame. What matters is that Jesus made it through the wilderness, that he did not give in to the temptations that the enemy brought his way. What matters is that he was able to pray in the, that time of stress that the Father's will be done, that, that he would fulfill the call of God on his life. And so, beloved, I just wanted to share a little bit what I really felt like was on the Father's heart because it's God's will that we experience answers to our prayer. It is God's will that we experience what Jesus died for us to experience. I mean, there are particular scriptures. I'm thinking of one in John 15 that literally, and there's other ones that say the same thing, that says, just ask what you will. Ask anything in my name and I will do it. But yet, is that really our experience? Are we experiencing answered prayer? And when I say experiencing answered prayer, I don't mean just once in a blue moon. I'm talking about over and over and over and over again. And so the first principle that I want to kick off with in today's podcast is I kind of want to blow through the myth, the idea that it, it, it sounds like this, it's that God is in control or the idea that God's will is automatic that if God wills for something to happen, then it's going to happen. And I, I feel like, the, you know, the way that people say that sometimes is just like, well, you know, everything happens for a reason or, 
uh, God's in control, so, you know, we can just let God, you know, be in control. But time and time again, if you read the Gospels closely, you will find that Jesus wasn't in control, (laughs) that God wasn't in control. In fact, Jesus had to yield to the will of God and had to follow the instructions of the Father in order for the instructions of the Father to be accomplished. And over and over again, if you look at the miracles that Jesus performed, you will see that the people that were coming to Jesus had a very active role in determining the outcome of whatever situation that they were in. I want to just start today with Matthew chapter 9 and just read a little bit so that we can just see some examples of what I'm talking about here. Um, I was going to go to John 15, and I'll just give you that scripture for a reference. It says... Verse 7 in John 15, I'm reading in the Passion Translation, it says this, But if you live life in union with me, and if my words live powerfully within you, then you can ask whatever you desire, and it will be done. So I want to hone in on this concept of ask whatever you desire. Okay, and now I want to go over to Matthew chapter 9. So in Matthew chapter 9, there are several examples of people coming to Jesus and telling them, what they desire, and it actually happening. Okay, let's look at the first example is in verse 18. It says, while Jesus was still speaking, an influential Jewish leader approached him and knelt before him saying, help me, my daughter has just died. Please come and place your hand upon her so that she will live again. So Jesus and his disciples got up and went with him. Okay, now this story's interrupted now with another person. It says, suddenly a woman came from behind Jesus and touched the tassel of his prayer shawl for healing. She had been suffering from continual bleeding for 12 years, but had faith that Jesus could heal her. For she kept saying to herself, if I could only touch his prayer shawl, I would be healed. So just then Jesus turned around and looked at her and said, My daughter, be encouraged. Your faith has healed you. And instantly she was healed. 23, when Jesus finally entered the home of the Jewish leader, he saw a noisy crowd of mourners wailing and playing a funeral dirge on their flutes. He told them, You must not leave, for the little girl is not dead. She's only asleep. And everyone everyone began to ridicule him. And after he made the crowds go outside, he went into the girl's room. He gently took hold of her hand. She immediately stood to her feet. And the news of this incredible miracle spread everywhere. Now I'm going to keep going. In verse 27, it says, As Jesus left the house, two blind men began following him, shouting over and over, Son of David, show us mercy and heal us. And they followed him right into the house where Jesus was staying. And so... And I'm going to read it in this translation. I'm going to read it in a different translation. It says, so Jesus asked them, do you believe that I have the power to resource sight to your eyes? And they replied, yes, we believe. And Jesus put his hands over their eyes and says, you will have what your faith expects. And instantly their eyes opened. They could see. Okay, I'll stop there. Now I want to read 
um, that last account of the blind men, and I want to read it from the message translation because it's an interesting way to say the point that I want to make here. It says, as Jesus left the house, in verse 27, he followed by two blind men crying out, mercy, son of David, mercy on us. When Jesus got home, the blind men went in with him. And Jesus said to them, do you really believe I can do this? And they said, why, yes, master. He touched their eyes and said, become what you believe. It happened. They saw. Okay, I'll stop there. So these three stories of three miraculous breakthroughs in seemingly three completely unrelated scenarios have something very important in common. They point to this concept that I was just alluding to before I read the scriptures, which is we think God is in control of whether our prayers get answered or not. And because we think this, we see all kinds of crazy prayer stuff happening on the planet. You know, we think, well, maybe if we just get 20,000 people together in a stadium and we all pray, you know, to God and, you know, we'll hear things like, let's just bombard the gates of heaven. <laughs> maybe, maybe God will move. Like if, if 20,000 doesn't work, well, we need 50,000, right? Like how many people does it take asking God to do something for him actually to get off his throne and solve the problem? But what these three examples show us is that the person praying determined what God did, what Jesus did. Jesus didn't arbitrarily go do something that was out of alignment with what these people were asking for and what they were believing for. And I think what happens a lot of times is that we pray these vague prayers or we have these vague goals that we want God to get on board with. But let's just look at this again through that lens, right? Let's take that first example here of the father whose daughter had died and what he, how he approached Jesus, okay? It says that this Jewish leader approached and knelt before Jesus and said, help me, my daughter has just died. Please come and place your hand upon her so that she will live again. And if we go down into the actual miracle, it says that Jesus... After, you know, he tells everybody she's just sleeping and they ridicule him. It says he entered the home of the Jewish leader. He made the crowd go outside and he went into the girl's room and he gently took hold of her hand. Okay, now the father asked him to place his hand upon her. And then Jesus goes in and takes her hand. Okay, now. 
Jesus did really the vision, if you will, that the father held for the daughter's healing. Now, that exact same truth is true for the woman with the issue of blood. In fact, other translations of the scripture say that Jesus didn't even know who touched his garment. He asked, in one, tra- in one version, I think it's over in Luke, he says, who touched me? I mean, Jesus was so not in charge of this miracle that he didn't even know who touched him. But here's what it says about her and the way she received this answer, quote unquote, to prayer, right? It says in her case, let me just go back to it. It says in verse 20, suddenly a woman came from behind Jesus and touched the tassel of his prayer shawl for healing. She'd been suffering from continual bleeding for 12 years, it says, but she had faith that Jesus could heal her. For she kept saying to herself, listen to this vision. And I say a vision because it's, it's, it evokes vision when you read it. It says, if I could only touch his prayer shawl, I would be healed. So she had this vision. If I touch his prayer shawl, I will be healed. The guy whose daughter died, if you put your hand on her, she shall live again, right? And then in the last example here, Jesus comes to the blind guys and to, um, uh, he says to them, do you believe that I have the power to restore sight to your eyes? So he's asking them, he's inviting them into what is it that you believe? What is your vision for me to move on your behalf? And they said, yes. Okay. If I go to Luke and I read this exact same story in Luke chapter 18. Okay. This is interesting. It says in Luke 18, you know, starting in verse 38, that the blind man called out Jesus, son of David. Well, have mercy on me. Actually, I think this is a different blind guy, but it's still in line with what I'm sharing here. It says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy upon me. It says, those who led the way rebuked him and told him, be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy upon me. It says, Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. And when he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? And Lord, he said, Lord, I want to see. And Jesus said, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. In, other, uh, in the other places that it talks about the woman with the issue of blood, he tells the woman, go in peace, daughter. Your faith has made you whole. In the message translation, remember what, what it says. It says, when Jesus touched the blind men, the two blind men's eyes, He says, become what you believe. You know, this concept that we have a part to play in how God answers our prayer is such an important truth. And it is one that is overlooked again and again and again, and sometimes not taught and sometimes thought by, you know, a bunch, most people, I guess I would say. 
And I want to stop for a moment because really the key here is really about vision. It's about a vision that you're bringing to the Lord in prayer. And a lot of times we just don't even think to do that. We don't even think that it's our responsibility to have a vision, that it's our responsibility to play a part in the receiving of miracles. In Mark chapter eleven twenty four, there's a, a, a principle of prayer that I teach a lot that says, whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. And I want to replace the word prayer right now with ask. Prayer of, the prayer of asking for a miracle, the prayer of asking for something supernaturally to manifest. I mean, you've got to remember, first of all, that all that heaven contains has already been lavished upon us. That is a scripture from Ephesians chapter 1 in the Passion Translation. Um, you know, in the King James Version, it says that, you know, we have already been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. So let me just give you that reference really quick because it's an important part, it's an important piece of the puzzle here, okay? It says this in the tra- Passion Translation, it says, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already been lavished upon us as a loved gift from our wonderful heavenly Father, okay? And then in the King James Version, it, it just says it a little bit differently, but it's worth listening to it in a couple of versions here. It says this, it says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. So here's the principle of prayer that we have to get, okay? That everything that heaven contains, like everything has already been provided in Christ, So when we are asking for something, we're not asking for something that doesn't belong to us, and we're not asking for something that doesn't already exist. It just exists in immaterial form. It exists in the spiritual realm. It ex- it's, it's like the future that is yet to manifest. It's a possibility that manifests according to our faith, according to our belief. That is why Jesus said, become what you believe. Another way to say that is become what you see. I love that that was a a healing miracle of eyesight because he said, become what you believe. And believing and seeing are synonyms when it comes to answered prayer. If you can see it, you can be it. If you have a vision for it, 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 it will manifest. That is what faith is. That is what it means that whatsoever things we desire when we pray to believe that we receive them and we shall have them. The believing we receive them is the seeing that we have them. And this piece, you know, I learned this very, very practically through a book that I'm happy to recommend here. It's called The Fourth Dimension, and there's volumes one, two, and three. It's written by David Yonyi Cho, but I got that book, put it in my hands, honestly, supernaturally by the Holy Spirit, after I experienced a miscarriage. And I knew that God's desire was for me to have a child. And I knew that miscarriage 
was not a part of what's in heaven. I knew that it was under the curse. It was a product of the fall and that I had been redeemed from the curse and that miscarriages technically, like premature death, like depression, like poverty, had been defeated on the cross and they were not a part of my inheritance in Christ. But here I was desiring a child but not able to carry one full term. And so I was asking God, what is the problem? How is the enemy stealing my children from me? What is going on? Like, why is the promise of God? Why is the power of God not manifesting in my life? And so I got a hold of this book. And it was the first time that I really started to connect with the idea that faith has eyes, that faith sees a vision of something as already accomplished, that it it sees the future as already happening. This is the eyes of faith that are talked about in Hebrews chapter 11 when it talks about that through the eyes of faith, (laughs) Abraham saw the future. He saw the fulfillment of him being the father of a nation. These are the eyes of faith that it talks about, that we look at the things that are not seen while we, you know, our light affliction is just for a moment because we're staring, we're staring at what's not, what is not seen. It's the same principle that causes us when we see something to call the non-existence things as though they already exist because that's how God talks. He doesn't look at spiritual reality as non-existent. He looks at it as existing, and that's what causes it to manifest. And so when we have a vision for what we desire, when we have a vision for what we are asking God to accomplish, i.e. what we are praying for, we have received it. And then the fight of faith is simply standing on that, until we see it happen. It's why the woman with the issue of blood kept saying to herself over and over and over again, because I can tell you when you've suffered with a condition for 12 years, there is a lot of unbelief. There is a lot of experience that you've had that tells you this is just the way it's going to be. And that process of repeating the vision, of, of, of focusing on the vision is exactly what caused, that is faith. It is what caused that that power of God to be released to her. It was her faith, it was the hand of faith receiving the answer to what she desired. And she had seen it over and over and over again because she kept saying it to herself over and over and over again. But I didn't know that when I was having a miscarriage. And so when I got this book, I realized that truth be told, I had a lot of faith in miscarriages. Now, I I wasn't really aware of that consciously, but when I thought more about it and thought about it with the Holy Spirit, I mean, my mother was adopted, I was adopted, and I had fear, which is simply faith, that I was not going to be able to have children, that I was going to be like my mom. And so the Holy Spirit entered into this partnership with me. And he helped me get a vision of myself being a mother, of myself being nine months pregnant. And let me tell you, I had to fight the good fight of faith on that, especially during the first trimester. 
I had to visualize myself nine months pregnant every single day. I had to, I had this vision of me in the garden. I would go to the garden of Eden because that represented being redeemed from the curse. And I would walk around nine months pregnant. I would hang out with Jesus. We would, we would have a picnic basket. And it was such a powerful vision that I remember when I had morning sickness one time, I went into the vision and I, I couldn't eat. I didn't know what to eat. And Jesus was feeding me grapes. And I, all of a sudden, all of the morning sickness left my body. Why? Because the power of that vision was not just natural. It was supernatural. It connected me to my inheritance in Christ. And there is no morning sickness in heaven. And so when we talk about visualization, I'm just not talking about, you know, I'm talking about Holy Spirit engaging of our spiritual senses and seeing the thing that we desire as an inheritance from Jesus that we possess right now. That is us responding to the question, do you believe that I'm able to do this? Well, my, my response is, Jesus, you've already done it. You've already done it, and all that's left for me to do is agree. Agree, 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 and believe. Believe, renew my mind, and believe what you have spoken. And I love the partnership that the Holy Spirit extends to us in prayer, that we don't just have to drum this stuff on our own. We can ask the Holy Spirit. We can ask him, okay, Mark eleven twenty four 24 says, believe that I receive it when I pray. So Holy Spirit, give me a vision. Give me a picture. Give me the end it, that, that, that I need to see, that I need to, to agree that I've got. We don't have to manufacture this stuff on our own. But through our union with Jesus, we also don't have to worry that we are manufacturing it on our own. We can trust. We can trust that the vision that we are seeing is from God. For that matter, we can trust that the vision that the woman got about touching the hem of his garment was from God. We can get, we can trust that that the the, the father coming and saying, if you touch her <laughs> hands, if you if you lay your hand on her, she'll be healed. We can trust that the Holy Spirit is the grace that is in our lives that causes us to believe. We don't have to believe apart from Christ. We believe through the grace of Christ. And so, beloved, my question is to you, what are you asking? What do you desire? As Jesus was, if he was standing in front of you right now and he said, what do you want me to do for you? What would your response be? You know, I think that's such an interesting question to ask a blind man. Well, it's obvious. He needs sight. But Jesus still asked He said, what do you want me to be? What do you want me to do for you? And when he touched his eyes, he said, become what you believe. He told the woman with the issue of blood, go in peace, daughter. Your faith has made your whole. Over and over again, he said throughout the gospels, be it unto you according to your faith. You know, recently I was asking God, God, you know, okay, What, what goal do you want me to believe? What, what, what are you wanting to accomplish? And he asked me, well, what, what, what do you want? And, you know, when he asked me that question, I always, I always kind of try to gauge my heart of like, okay, what is in my heart? What feels a little uncomfortable but not so crazy that I, that I, I just can't even connect with it? But I remember asking the Lord, I remember saying, you know what, I just, I just want what you want. You tell me what to want. <laughs> you tell me what, it should, what I should ask for. 
you tell me. Like, I just am going to, you know be best, so just tell me what to ask for. And the father literally responded to me with this, this, this phrase. He said, no, Shalise, that's not how it works. And he said, you can do it my way or you can do it my way. The choice is yours. And I had to laugh because obviously that really wasn't a choice. But the point was is that I had to tap into my desire. I had to tap into what is it that I want. Now, for me, I always seem to just, like I said, I go a little bit beyond my comfort zone, but I also don't go to something that feels so unbelievable that I can't even connect with it. Why? Why do I do that? Because I need to be able to get a vision for it. I need to, ha- to connect with the Holy Spirit to be able to see whatever it is that he, I need to see so that I can receive it. I need my nine-month pregnant walking in the garden vision so that I can grab hold of eternal life. I can lay hold of my inheritance in Christ. And I typically can sense internally where my level of unbelief is. And if I can't, well, I'm sure gonna, I'm sure as heck gonna ask the Holy Spirit to help me because everything that's gonna happen after I ask and I get the vision is going to be about confronting unbelief. It is going to be about meditating on that vision, the way that the woman with the issue of blood did, like he told the Israelites in the Old Testament, day and night, meditating on that thing and establishing a new belief, establishing that I, ha- that I actually possess it, establishing that this is a done deal in my heart and in my mind, growing strong in faith, as it talks about in Romans chapter 4, giving glory unto God, becoming fully persuaded that God is able to do this. And so, beloved, I pray that this helps you pray in a more effective way and that you begin to recognize that God is not holding out on us, that everything that Jesus won on the cross has already been provided. You know, practically what this means is that God is not up in heaven cherry-picking who gets healed. He's not up in heaven, you know, just arbitrarily deciding who gets access to their inheritance in Christ and who doesn't have access to their inheritance in Christ. It's an inheritance. It is ours and it's available. It's been provided because we are a joint heir with Jesus and Jesus is the lawful owner of all things. Now, I know that if you really wanted to, you could debate with me on this and talk about, well, oh, Shalise, what about selfish desires? And, you know, you got to be careful about what you desire. Now, I am talking to people who love Jesus and who are committed to manifesting heaven on earth through their union with him and that they're seeking God. You know, they're delighting themselves in the Lord. I'm not talking about people that are trying to, you know, manipulate this into greedy desires and unhealthy things. I'm talking about manifesting heaven on earth and glorifying Jesus. And I think the last point that I'm going to make as I wrap is this. All of us 
have experienced disappointments in prayer. All of us have thought we were standing for something, thinking that we have received something, and it not happening. Whether that was the death of my mom, whether that has been a, you know, a second miscarriage I had in between my first successful pregnancy and my second one, right? I mean, I personally do not operate in this at a 100% proficiency. The only person that I have ever seen do that in my lifetime has been Jesus. But I have seen incredible things. I've seen miracle after miracle after miracle. And what I have learned in the process is that it is never God that is withholding from me. It is simply my internal ability to see and receive. And I mean authentically, which that's the thing about our subconscious mind. We don't even know what we believe until the Holy Spirit reveals it to us or until we have a manifestation of something that we don't want. And, you know, so rather than reshape my theology around the disappointments I've had in prayer, I've decided to continually upgrade my ability to receive. That my ability to receive will determine what I receive rather than dummying down and, and, and adopting some theology where God is cherry-picking his answers to prayer. And if I just maybe pray harder or pray longer or get a bunch of people to agree with me, that then maybe it'll work. No, it is according to our faith. It is according to what we believe. When Jesus said, become what you believe, the truth of the matter is we already are what we believe. That the results that we have in our lives today are a result of what we believed yesterday. And if we want different results tomorrow, then we need to believe something different today. Now, beloved, this is not just a scriptural principle. This is a quantum physics principle as well. The unseen realm responds to what we observe. What we focus on manifests. The human race has been designed by God to operate by faith, to be created in the image of God, and to manifest what we believe. It's why scriptures say things like, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Or beloved, I pray above all things that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. Soul prosperity looks like believing something and watching it manifest because you are prospering in that belief. So let me pray. Father, thank you for just the scriptural truth that is contained in today's podcast. And Father, I specifically lift up those who are struggling under the disappointment of unanswered prayer. Specifically those that may think, well, I was believing. I was believing, but yet it still didn't happen. Well, Father, I just release grace. 
I release grace to those that, that, that fit that description today. And I thank you that the Holy Spirit is releasing truth. And he is releasing a reframe of that scenario. I pray, Father, that the Holy Spirit would provide comfort and the truth that sets them free, not only from that disappointment, but from the underlying reduction and adjustment in their ability to believe with a clean slate. Father, I pray that they would get a revelation that you are a good dad, that you are a good father, and that if you gave us Jesus, that you most more, absolutely, you give us all things freely to enjoy. I pray, Father, that that same accusation against you that the enemy spoke to Eve, that you are a God that withhold good things from your kids, that you are holding back on them. I thank you, Father, that that lie is swallowed up by the reality that it's already been provided, that it belongs to us in Christ, and that the only thing left to do is see it, receive it, and be it. And so I just release an impartation today, Father, an impartation that goes beyond human understanding, an impartation of faith, an impartation of supernatural mind renewal, an impartation to believe afresh, to believe for the impossible, to believe that you are a good father that delights in giving us the desires of our heart, that you are a father who finds great pleasure in giving us the kingdom. And I release all of this in the name of Jesus, and we call it done. Okay, beloved, this is a podcast you're probably going to have to listen to more than once to take some good notes and just sit with the Holy Spirit and allow him to apply the message to your life. Until next time, we'll be praying for you. God bless you. Thanks for listening to Shalisa's podcast. This recording is, in part, made possible by our listeners. To partner with us, visit Shalise.com, where you can donate and help us spread the good news of our unshakable union with Christ around the globe. You can also find a link there to download Shalise's book, The Path, for free. And if you're ready to discover the call of God on your life and the purpose he created you for, then visit us at Shalise.com and watch Shalise's free training where you'll hear five keys to hearing God about your life purpose and transitioning into it. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, don't forget, the world needs the Christ in you.